I trust that everyone is doing well and that you're you're safe in your homes, um, that you didn't really take too much time to travel in that, that uh, mucky roads of the snow today. But I'm going to ask you, just before we start, if you would grab your Bibles, if you would grab your pens and note paper, so that tonight you could write down some things that stick out to you as we navigate through a brand new study called More Precious Than Gold. More Precious Than Gold. And tonight's study is called The Crucible and the Refiner. The Crucible and the Refiner. So possibly by now you've already concluded in your mind what we're going to be looking at. And you are no doubt right, the refiner's fire. So over the next several weeks, we are going to be looking at what it's like to be in the refiner's fire. First Peter 1 verse 7 says this, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's just pause there for a moment and pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for the opportunity that, Lord, despite the weather, we could still meet and we could still learn of you. I pray that, Lord, your anointing would be on tonight's Bible study. I ask that, Lord, you would just allow me only to say what you have purposed to be said. And, and God, hide me behind the cross because truly it's only about you. Your word is to be glorified and you are to be glorified in all things. And so now, Lord, I say once again, be glorified as we look into your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So a story is told of a group of women who had gotten together to study the word of God. And as they were studying, studying the word of God, they reached the book of Malachi. And as they were reading through the book of Malachi and studying it, they arrived to Malachi chapter 3, verse 3. And they were captured by a part of what it had to say. It said this, The Lord will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. This struck the woman. What could this mean? What could this verse be saying to us? And so curious about it, uh, they, they decided that they were going to look more in depth into that verse. And so one woman put up her hand and volunteered to the group that she would take the time to go into depth and study and understand what the verse meant. And so later on this, that week, this woman comes to meet up with a silversmith and to ask permission if she may go and observe him while he is working. And so, of course, this silversmith agrees to her coming. And as she watched him working on, on a particular piece of silver, he explained to her that the only way to purify and refine silver is to hold it in the center, in the middle of the flame, where the flames are the hottest, so that all the impurities are burned away. She thought about this. 
And she thought back to Malachi chapter 3, verse 3, the whole purpose of what drove her to go visit this silversmith. And she thought about God sitting as a refiner and purifier of silver. She asked the silversmith, is it important for you to stay near the fire while this piece of silver is in the fire? And of course, to which he said, yes, I must not only stay here, I have to keep my eyes on the fire at all times. I have to keep my eyes on the silver in the center of the fire because if I keep it there too long, the flames could damage it. So of course, hearing this came her next question. How will you know when it is the exact moment that this silver has been refined? Well, those of us who have heard this story before as an illustration in a sermon already know the ending. And the ending is beautiful. The ending is when the silversmith said to her, Oh, that is easy. It's when I see my reflection in the silver. When I see my reflection in the silver, Jesus is the refiner. Jesus is that silversmith that is in this in the um in the place of putting us in the center of the fire. You see our trials and our heartaches of today those things that take away the comfort of our life is when God has us in the center of the fire. His eyes never leave us and we are there being carefully watched by him. Why? Because as Romans 8 and 29 says, we are predestined to be conformed to the image of God's son. God is refining us. God is refining you. God is refining me. The Bible uses the process of, of silver and making silver refined as an example of what it is like to refine you and I. He uses the heat of our life, the circumstances, the trials that we go through, the problems that we face, and it, as an example of the fire that we are in and the picture of him being there with us. The struggles of life refine us into his image. The refiner's fire transforms his people to become then his treasure. You see that silversmith knew exactly when the silver was ready to come from the fire when he saw his image, when it was that treasured piece of silver. Psalm 66 verses 10 to 12 says this, O God, for you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us out of the net. You have laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. You have brought us out 
to a place of abundance. They had gone through fire. They had gone through water. They had gone through trials. And yet God brought them to a place of abundance. Don't fear the refining. On the other side of the refining, there is a place of abundance. It says, you have refined us as silver is refined. When God is refining us, what happens? We feel the rising of the heat. We feel that heat getting so hot, it's as though we are stripped of our strength. We are, we are stripped of our stability, our, our ability to stand up under the heat, our ability to withstand that heat. And so God himself during that time is doing what? He's melting away the drought that is in our life. He's melting away the impurities of our life. Those impurities rise to the top. But they can only rise to the top as the silver is kept in the center of the flame. And as the silversmith observes the proper temperature of that flame, keeping it hot enough to rise the impurities to the surface. And keeping it in there long enough to allow those impurities to rise to the surface, but not be damaged that the vessel of silver would not be damaged it goes on to say here in isaiah 48 verse 10 behold i have refined you but not as silver i have tried you in the furnace of affliction you see there we go again the challenges of our life is what applies to the heat those challenges apply the heat in our life they apply the heat to what our attitudes they apply the heat to our pride and when that heat is applied to the pride of our life the attitudes of indifference then what comes out and rises to the surface is the drought for the drought for our, our loving father to scrape it away and remove it from the precious metal. I have refined you, but not as silver, Isaiah said, but not as silver. See, Psalm said, I, you have refined us as silver is refined, but Isaiah brings us to another place, not as silver. Why? Because I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my sake, I will do it. Why? Because it's to bring glory to God. You see, we see ourselves in that fire. We see ourselves in that place of refining. And if we don't have the right attitude, we take on the persecuted mentality. Why is this happening to me? Why do these things always take place in my life? Why must I always have this type of hardship? And God is saying, no, no, no. No, I have you in the fire. And in this place, not as the silver. I'm having you in the fire in this instant because your life through this affliction will bring me glory 
You see, there is always a watching world. There's always a watching world that is looking to see how you are going to face that situation. There's a watching world that says, Wow, I know that their God is real because how they are able to stand in this situation, how they've been able to go through this trial for this many years and still have the joy of the Lord and still be standing could only say to me, their God is real. So there's the refining fire that removes the droughts from our life the refining fire that that removes those areas of our life that are not bringing glory to god those areas as i said of uh, pride and attitude oh they could be other areas you know what areas are in your life and then there is the refining the, the refiner's fire that brings glory to God. When we are going through trials and tribulations, when we are facing circumstances and God has us in the fire, not as a silver in that time, but in that time to point others to him, to bring glory to him. What kind of fire might you be in tonight? Are you in the fire tonight as silver? Or are you in the fire as one bringing glory to God? You see, in the end, we will see that it all points to a loving Father. Does it bother you to know, though, that God sometimes allows our trials? And for and he allows our trials for the refining of his glory does it bother you that sometimes his refining fires in our life is actually for his sake does that trouble your mind that god will allow refining to come into our life for his sake for his glory not necessarily for our glory you see, the world was not built around us. It wasn't for our, we're not the center of the universe. God is the center of the universe. Daniel 2 verse 10 says this, Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. But the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand. But those who are wise, they will understand. Zechariah says it this way, Zechariah 13, verse 9. And I will put this third in the fire and refine them as one refined silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name and I will answer them and I will say, They are my people. And they will say, The Lord is my God. God allows trials and his refining fires in our lives for his own sake. They are my people. And they will say, he is, the Lord is our God. Not all silver that goes in the fire, though, will be refined. 
I never really understood that thought that not all silver goes in the fire, comes out refined. But Jeremiah touched on this. In Jeremiah 6 and 29, it says this, The bellows blow fiercely to burn away the lead with fire, but the refining goes on in vain. The wicked are not purged out. You see, there is some silver that when it goes into the fire, it contains metals that just cannot be removed. How does that apply to you and me? Well, you see, the children of Israel would not surrender their gods. Some of them just chose to live in their own way and in their own how. They lived in that rebellion and they chose to worship their own gods, their own idols. Are you a little bit like that? Are you in that place where you just are in a place of continued rebellion? You're brought into the fire. The flames are burning. The Lord is there ever watching closely over you. But your rebellion is holding you to a place that those precious, that precious silver, the other metals that are in it cannot rise to the surface. They cannot be removed because the silver is refusing to let go of that impurity. Are you that individual? That there are areas of your life you're just refusing to let go of. There are areas of your life that time and time again you keep going back to them then you would be as that silver that Jeremiah spoke about in chapter 6, verse 29. You would be like that silver that refused to let go of the impure metals that were within it. Not all silver is refined. Oh, that you would have a sensitive heart tonight. To not see the Lord's refining fire, to not see that heat as a place of woe is me. Everything always goes wrong in my life, but may you see it as a place of perfection. Be careful the thoughts that you entertain while you're in the refiner's fire. Israel refused to be refined. They chose the drouths over being made into the image of God. They chose their idols instead of allowing themselves to be in submission to God and worship Him alone. Peter refers to the refining of gold. Peter says this in 1 Peter 1, verses 6 to 8. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that what? The tested genuineness of your faith, 
more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you, have, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. What is the positive result that Peter mentions in verse 7 in connection with the testing of our faith? He says this, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, what may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God uses our trials for what? For our good. The trials that you go through in life are not to trip you up. God allows them for your good. For the testing of the genuineness of your faith. But what does Satan do? He seeks to oppose us. He seeks the very opposite for our lives. You see, God allows the trials for the building of us. For the drawing out of the impurities that are within us. But Satan brings trials for the destruction of us. This is illustrated in, in, in Luke. Luke chapter 22, Jesus was speaking to Peter. And he says in verse 31 to 32, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you for what? That faith. You know the faith that Peter just spoke about? That your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthened your brothers. See, the enemy wants to take our trials and bring it to the destruction of us. So that those that are watching, their lives aren't even encouraged, nor would they want to be encouraged by the way that we live. But rather, Jesus is saying, Peter, I'm praying that your faith through this may be strengthened and that it would not fail and that your brothers who are watching you, those that are seeing what you're going through, through this hour that the enemy is wanting to sift you out, I'm praying for you, Peter. I'm praying that your faith would not fail and that those watching would be strengthened in their faith are others being strengthened by the way in which you live through your trials or do they see you coming and say oh gosh i better go the other way at least they tell me what more is going on in their life do they flee from you or what do they see you and say hey how are you doing knowing that how you report to them will encourage and lift them up to know that as they've been praying for you you haven't been as that silver that has held on to the other metals within it 
You haven't held on to the impurities, but you've been allowing yourself through the heat of the refiner's fire to go through that purification. And the drouse has come to the surface and the silversmith has scooped out that drouse. And what is happening? Others are able to come to you. Others are strengthened to hear from you. Your report of how you're doing. You see, it's all a circle. It's all a cycle that we are all playing a part in. I could pray for you when you're in the fire. And when I ask you how you do and how you report to me through that time of sickness, through that time of sorrow, through that time of struggle, could encourage me that my prayers have been strengthening you to walk through this journey. Or the way you respond, well, you know, and you come in with your negative, I don't understand why everything is so horrible, it just seems, and and, and I don't want to ask, and I'm grieved in my heart, but Lord, what will it take in my prayers to see this brother, this sister, lifted from this place? How are you doing in your journey how are you doing oh I'm okay warfare is inevitable the minute you come into the kingdom of God from the time you chose to believe in him as your Savior warfare became inevitable some don't want to accept that some want to see it as all bells and whistles all prizes and, and, and excitement and, and everything is going to be great. Well, warfare is inevitable. Once you come out of the darkness and into the kingdom of light, the devil will do everything that he can to keep you from being that effective witness of what God does in a transformed life. What God does in a life that surrenders itself to him and says, I'll go through the fire because I know that my silversmith Jesus is watching over me. And I know that he will not allow me to be burned. But at that perfect moment of his reflection, he will remove me from the fire. I am not alone. What does the word of God say about our enemy? Sometimes we need to be reminded of some attributes, if you want to call them, that the enemy has. Just a couple. John 8, 44. It says this. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar. And what? The father of lies. Revelations 
12, 9 to 10 says this, And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who what? Deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down who accuses them before our God day and night. What do we take from these two passages? Well, we can know this. The devil is a murderer. The devil is a liar. There's no truth in him. In fact, he's the father of lies. And in other words, that lying spirit that we each have within us, that we must take control of, that propensity to lie, that DNA to lie, comes from the devil himself. What else do we see about him? He deceives the whole world. Whenever you see deception ruling and reigning in a situation, whenever you see somebody is deceived, you know that behind that deception, behind that individual being deceived and not seen clearly is the working of the devil. And finally this, one other thing that he does, he's the one that goes before God and accuses us day in and day out and day in and day out. He accuses the brethren before the throne of God, day and night. Can you imagine that? The devil is saying, look, they just lost their cool again, child of God. And Jesus says, oh, I've died for that. Oh, look, 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 they're being dishonest again. Oh, look, listen, listen, they're being dishonest again. And again, Jesus comes in as our defense. He is constantly accusing you before the throne of God. This is the enemy that wants to interrupt the refining that God is doing in your life. This is the enemy that wants to have you in that fire as that piece of silver holding on to other metals. And not allowing the silver to be refined. Not allowing what is precious within you to be refined. This is the enemy that works. But don't let it defeat you. Don't let him have that victory over you. Don't let your heart become overwhelmed. Because the Lord himself has you in that fire. He is that silversmith holding you in the very center of his, in the fire, in the very center of the fire with his careful eye watching over you. He's watching over every part of you. It's called the crucible. You're the crucible that is in the fire. And he says to you, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. Don't resist. Don't give up. Don't surrender into the enemy. You are more than a conqueror. You can do all things through me. And we see those verses in Zechariah 4 and 6. 
We see it in Romans 8 and 37. We see it in Philippians 4.13. Why? If you find yourself in the crucible, know this, that there is a watchful eye. If tonight you are a crucible in the refiner's fire, know this, there is a watchful eye. And his eyes are fixed on you. And they're not deviated by anything that is going on around. Because they're, they are carefully watching over you. The precious metal. That you would be refined as God intends you to be refined. What is a crucible? What does it mean to be a precious metal? That precious metal is your life. When I looked up crucible on the, on, on the old famous Google, I found this definition. A ceramic or metal container in which metals or other substances may be melted or subjected to very high temperatures. Huh? Okay, just translated to me as something that you put into a fire. And something within that container is being melted or, or being subjected to these high temperatures. But what the definition that caught my attention was the second definition. It says this, a situation of severe trial or in which different elements interact leading to what? The creation of something new. When I read that second definition, there was a word crucible, A, a container which metals and other substances may be melted or subjected to very high temperatures. And then I read B, a situation of severe trial in which different elements interact, leading to what? The creation of something new. That's when I realized the crucible is very uniquely a part of God's refining fire. Because why? It's when we, the crucible, surrender in becoming something new. We are leading to that creation of being something new. We are in the center of that fire to come out as that new creation that God's intended. So like true soldiers, what do we do? What do we do when, when, when we're faced with all sorts of trials and tribulations? What do we do when the enemy comes in like a flood? What do we do when everything around us seems to constantly be a story of trouble, constantly be, be a, a trial for us. What do we do? Ephesians 4.27 says this, don't give any opportunity to the devil. When we see ourselves in a place of trial, when we see ourselves in a place of struggle, when we see ourselves facing an illness, when we see ourselves facing disappointment and discouragement, don't give the enemy opportunity. But instead, Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 says this, that you would be strengthened that you would strengthen yourself in the Lord and the power of his might to what? Put on the whole armor of God that you be able to stand. 
stand against the enemy when he comes against you. That in your standing you would run. That you would put on this whole armor of God. That you would fasten the belt of truth. That you would have the, the, the shoes of the gospel ready and in place. That you would put on the have the shield of faith to extinguish every dart of the enemy that would come your way. And that you would have the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and that you would pray at all times. Why? Because we don't give the enemy any opportunity. We don't submit to the enemy's opposition. We submit to the refiner's work. Why? Because 1 Peter 5 and 8 says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Because the adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Resist him. Keep firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You're not the only one facing this problem. You're not the only one to go through this trial. You're not the first person to face this disease. Stand firm against the attacks of the enemy. First uh, Peter Chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says that share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus because no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. It's true. We all go through trials. You know what? I face them from day to day, sometimes every day. Sometimes it feels like I'm just in a season of trial after trial. But I'm not alone. Because sometimes when I'm in that season, I'll meet up with somebody else who's in what appears to be a worse season than mine. Don't let the enemy grab hold of your mind and distract you from what God is doing in you. This is how we must fight our battles then. Sometimes we're left with disappointment. Have you ever faced a disappointment? Disappointment comes when we didn't get what we anticipated out of a situation. We didn't get the results from something that we anticipated. For instance, you applied for a job and you really anticipated getting this job. You see, if you acquired that job, then your bills and, and, and your debt could be de decreased. And you're disappointed because you weren't the one chosen for the job. Sometimes your disappointment can come because someone who you thought was your friend, they were very close to you. They meant a lot to you. They betrayed you. And disappointment set in because you really held them in a special place. You really revered them. And you weren't expecting that betrayal to come. Maybe the disappointment came because the person you thought you loved left you. 
the person whom you married left you. Your marriage is now broken. Your family is now divided. You didn't anticipate it. You got married with great expectations. And you didn't know this many years in you would face that trial. Disappointment sets in. Oh, the examples could be countless. We could, we could sit and have a chat of all the different disappointments that we each have faced that are when our expectations didn't pan out the way we wanted them to. But we cannot let the enemy have any ground in our life. Disappointment could never be allowed to derail you from your destiny. Disappointment is going to come. We have to accept that. There will be times when we will be disappointed with the outcome of things. When we will put our 100% into something and at the end when we look back, it's not the way we thought it would have panned out. But we can't allow that disappointment to derail us from the destiny and the purpose that God has fashioned within us. You see, if we do, we will go on a downward spiral effect. This disappointment will derail us and have, have us falling downward and downward and the spiral will continue. Our disappointment will go from, from disappointment to discouragement. From discouragement to despondency. From despondency to depression. That armor that we once embraced as that true soldier going into battle. Recognizing that the enemy that we're not fighting against flesh and blood but we're fighting against principalities of the air and so we armed ourselves with the armor of God and we made sure that it fits snugly now all of a sudden because we allow disappointment to derail us discouragement and despondency became a part of that downward spiral and now the armor that we once had fitting so tightly around us appears as though it is large, appears as though it belongs to Saul, and we are David. Oh, we cannot allow despondency. We cannot allow disappointment to derail us. We have to stop that depression, that despondency from setting in. Because when it sets in, it will take only further territory. When the enemy can, can get into your mind through discouragement, through despondency, through depression, he will only keep gaining territory after territory. But when we find ourselves in that disappointed place, and we see ourselves going down into discouragement before despondency sets in, before depression sets in. That's when we must cry out as, as the psalmist said, the Lord is my stronghold in times of trouble. Psalm 9 verse 9. 
The Lord is near to the broken heart and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 34, 18. We must hold on to the word of God and not allow the enemy to have a, a toehold in our mind. We have to catch it. We have to engage in prayer. We have to engage in the word of God. If we must, we must go to a friend and, and, and have them join with us in prayer that we would not allow the enemy to have any place within our mind. Because the moment he has that little smidget of place, we will lose our hope. And we will become numb. We will become ap apathetic, anesthetized to our surroundings. Because the enemy wants to ensnare us. Why? Because we had everything banked upon that one hope. But our hope is not to be in our situations. Oh, I hope I get this job. Oh, I hope that this works out. Our hope is to be in Christ. And when our hope is in Christ, we can know that he is near and he is watching over us in that place of refining. We can take courage tonight. We can take courage because Psalm 37 verses 30, 23 to 24 says this. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his right hand. Though you may stumble, though disappointment may come in. Though discouragement may come in, look to the Lord. Let your hope be on the Lord. Look through the fire and see the refiner's eyes watching over you. Why? Because he's upholding you. He's holding you in that fire. He's holding you in that situation. He's holding you in that hospital bed. He's holding you in that broken relationship. He's holding you in that job search. He's holding you in that financial despair. Don't allow the enemy to get in your mind. During these past two years of COVID, we heard a famous three-word line. Frontline workers, frontline workers. These frontline workers, doctors, nurses, paramedics, officers, they could not catch a break. They had to keep going and going. They had to press in. Nothing could stop them. Why? Because there were people that were sick. There were people that were in need. The distractions of what was going on around them as a result of the pandemic could not keep their eyes off of what they had to do. And what was that? They had to walk in their calling. And so you and I are called to keep our eyes on what? The prize. You and I are called to keep our eyes on the author of our faith. You are in the front line tonight. Where is the front line tonight? It's in your mind. The front line is your mind. And you are the attendant to that front line. Be careful what you think what you conquer in your mind will determine how you live 
The old adage says, you are what you think. You are what you think. Well, yes, because the word of God says, as a man thinks, so is he. The key to winning the war is first winning it in your mind. You want to win the battle that the enemy keeps raging against you? Start by winning it in your mind. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 5 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. No, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have the divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience even when your obedience is complete. Our weapons tonight of warfare are not of the flesh. They are not guns. They are not bullets. No, our weapon is not of the flesh our weapon tree our weaponry tonight is destroying those lies that the enemy has built up against you in your mind you have to take captive those thoughts the enemy has placed thoughts in your mind and it fit and he has done it to me i know i'm not the only one i know it's faced you too and we have to take those thoughts captive right now if you would reach and grab those thoughts in the air just grab those thoughts that the enemy has held you captive by those thoughts that would say you're not good enough those thoughts that would say you're a loser those thoughts that would say that this financial demise is just going to swallow you up. You'll never come out from under it. Those thoughts that would say that you'll never get the right job. Those thoughts that would say that you will never find the right spouse. Take captive those thoughts. Those thoughts that are eating away at you day and night and holding you captive. Hold them right now in your hand. Hold them in your hand. And then throw them to the ground. Throw them to the ground and stomp on them. Stomp on them. Oh, I know it seems foolish to you, but stomp on them. Take action tonight to let the enemy see that he's playing with the wrong person. Stomp on them. And as you stomp on them, quote this verse. Philippians 4 verse 8. Whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is of a good report, whatever is just, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Replace those thoughts that you just took captive, throwing them to the ground and replace them with the thoughts of Philippians 4 verse 8. Those things that are pure, those things that are commendable, those things that are just. Set your mind on what? Things that are above and not on the things that are of the earth, according to Colossians 3 verse 2. Why? Because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Tonight, according to Romans 8 37, you are 
more than a conqueror. You might be a crucible in the fire. You might be in the Lord's refining fire, but you are more than a conqueror because he will bring you out. He will bring you out. Consider it all joy. Count it all joy. Because right there in the crucible, right there in the fire, you are being perfected and being made complete. James 1 verses 2 to 4 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness has its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete. You are being made perfect in this trial, in this fire. You are being made perfect. You are lacking nothing. Take time tonight when you finish listening to this broadcast. Take time to reflect on the passages that we talked about. Take time to, to bookmark them in your Bible. Write them on a post-it note. Put them someplace that you could be reminded of them day by day. Why? Because if anything tonight that I want you to come away knowing is this crucible that you're in, this fire that you're in, it's not for your destruction. No, it's not for your destruction. It's for your refining. And the refiner is always there. He has not left you unattended. You might feel because the enemy will lie to you as though you've been left alone, as though God has abandoned you, but he has not left the side of your fire. He is fully attentive to everything you are facing. He's the true finer, re refiner. He is the true refiner and we are his silver. The fire is the fire of his making. Though his fire, through his fire, our refiner will perfect an awesome work within us. A divine work. He'll take what is impure in our lives and make it pure. He will take what is dull and make it beautiful. He will take what is of potential value and reveal its actual value. He will transform us into his treasure. I just want to leave this final verse with you. And we all with unveiled face. Beholding the glory of the Lord are what being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You are being transformed tonight. You're in the fire, the refiner's fire. But you know what? Over the set next seven weeks, we are going to look at this refiner's fire. We're going to see what it looks like for us. And you're going to see God as never before. And you know what? Surprise, surprise. You're going to come out saying, God, I'm embracing the fire. Transform me that I may see you and that you may see your reflection in me. Father God, we thank you. We thank you once again that we could come online. I pray tonight, Lord, that if there is any that is struggling, that, Lord, tonight you would be the lifter of their head, 
that they would see this fire as not a war, that it's not a place that you are are putting them in to cause them to pay the price of something, but Lord, you are allowing it for your glory. You are allowing it for their refining, that they may reflect, that we may reflect who you are. Jesus, be glorified in our lives. And in this study, I pray that, Lord, you would shine forth and that we would come through with a greater understanding of the refiner's fire. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, before you shut down tonight, I just want to remind you, uh, our men on Saturday morning will be getting together for their men's breakfast. If you want to join in this uh, breakfast, oh, come on, what man doesn't want breakfast? If you want to join in, please send Pastor Josh an email or call the church so that he could rightly prepare. As well, Friday night, Lord willing, the married couples will be meeting for our monthly meeting, um, our date night. And it's on bringing your marriage to the next level. That's this Friday night. And so I hope to see you all out. Sunday morning, we will meet in Logos. 3535 Dixie Road. We hope to see you there. We always love to see you in person. So make a point of coming this week. God bless you. God be with you. Stay safe. Don't go out unless you're going to shovel. Bye for now.